Hello and welcome to another episode of the Company We Keep podcast. I am your host, Jason Pearl. Super excited for you to be with us today. This podcast is for everyday business owners and entrepreneurs that want to think differently about success and growth and want to achieve better balance in both business and life. Today, you are in for a treat. My guest is Lauren Johnson, a world-renowned mindset and performance coach. In the past, she's worked with some of sports' largest teams and brands. She works directly with professional athletes, and she has her own coaching and consulting agency working with those folks. In today's episode, we dive into everything mindset. Whether you're a professional athlete or a business owner or just somebody getting through the everyday, we have something for you today. Lauren is able to bridge the gap between what sets apart the most elite athletes and what everyday people like you and I are able to do to continue to level up in our lives. I am so excited for you to be introduced to her. So without further ado, here's the episode with Lauren Johnson. Let's get into it. All right, all right. Welcome back to another episode of The Company We Keep podcast. I am super excited for the guest that we have today. We are going to be joined by Lauren Johnson. I think you're absolutely going to love Lauren. She has quite an interesting background, and uh, she has been a mental performance coach and speaker. She works with professional athletes. She works with military personnel, and she works with business professionals, entrepreneurs, Everybody that's looking for high-level success and growth is people that she's looking for as clients. Uh, prior to her starting her own personal brand and her coaching practice, she was the mental performance coach for the New York Yankees, so she's obviously got some interesting stories there. But she is a dynamic person that I have been following for a long time, and I'm really excited to introduce you to her. So, Lauren, thank you very much. Welcome. Oh, man. Thanks so much for having me. When you reached out to me, I was really, really excited to be on this podcast. Well, great. We are we are super excited to have you. So it's interesting because the, the name of this podcast is The Company We Keep. So basically, it's, it's talking about the, those that we surround ourselves with to help us level up. And it's really interesting because the way you and I came to know each other is through a mutual connection, Nick Cavuto. Nick is going to be on this season uh, podcast as well. So my audience has, has heard about him. We'll get to know him as well. But we had met because you were looking to potentially work with him. And then you were looking for a reference. He gave you my name. You called me randomly, I think, on a Tuesday night. We ended up yeah. talking for about a half an hour. We really hit it off. And, um, and, and that's how we came to know each other, which is really unique because the world that we live in, if COVID taught us anything, it's that the world is really small. So you're on the West Coast, I'm on the East Coast. Here we are recording online, a video podcast, and uh, it's just, it's the company you keep is really important. So I love it. I love it. So thanks for joining. Oh, I love it. I'm so, I'm so glad that we got to connect through Nick and, uh, and you and I have been now following each other for a while now, yep. and I love your stuff. And so I'm, I, cool. I'm just excited. And I think that you're right. I think you're, it says a lot about who you surround yourself with. And I told Nick this the other day, I said, it's impressive that every person he's introduced me to has been, has become like a part of my circle. And mm -hmm. so you, you are no different, Jason. So uh, no, thank you. It. Thank you. Well, I, I, I feel honored. So let's talk about you. 
because that's what this is about. This podcast is going to be about you. So you're a mindset coach for in layman's terms. Can you maybe lay out what that means to, to somebody that may not be familiar with that term or what you do? Yeah, exactly. That's a great, uh, that's a great question to ask because a lot of people will say like, Oh, what, what do you do? And the first thing I start with is I work in sports psychology and people go, Oh, you must be a sports psychologist. And I'm like, no, I know that sounds confusing, but, um, there's two different kinds of degrees that you can get to work in the field. And if you want to be a sports psychologist to have the IST at the end of your name, you have to, that requires a PhD. I don't have my PhD. I have a master's in performance psychology and a lot of people in the applied world, not everybody, but probably the majority of people in applied sports psychology have a master's degree. And so my master's is in performance psychology. And so it's just a broader term for sports psychology. Um, and the fact that I can work with so many different domains and we studied just the psychology of high performers and how we can help to develop mental toughness by developing the way that we think and the way that we process things that are either happening to us, things in our lives, things that we're dealing with in a way that maintains a high level of performance. Because a lot of people think mental toughness is just like, oh, push through it. Like, don't ever talk about your weaknesses or, you know, your struggles. And that's just so not true. It's actually looking them in the face and being able to process them in the way in a way that maintains a high level of performance. And that's what I help my performers do. Yeah. And, you know, you throw out, oftentimes you'll see someone's title and you'd be like, I don't really know exactly what that means, but that's interesting, that, that distinction, because before you started your own coaching practice and your brand, you were the, the mental performance coach for the, for the Yankees. So that had to be a really interesting type of role. And what did you find is from an experience and like learning moments through that process? Oh, so many, <laughs> I mean, it's hard to just choose one. Um, when I got into, when I got into the Yankees, um, first of all, it was my dream job. So when I, when they called me, I will never forget this. They, they made fun of me for it for the longest time. When they called me and offered me the job, I said yes before they even told me what my salary was going to be. And they're like, do you want to know what you're going to make? I'm like, oh yeah, probably. Right. <laughs> um, but I just knew that's where I wanted to be and completely fell in love with it. And when I got there, man, one of the first things that just kind of like hit me in the face was there's so much you don't know. And I think that in any area of our lives, especially the more we learn, the more we learn how much we don't know. <laughs> and so it was a huge uh, growth experience for me in so many ways, not just learning who I was and the kind of practitioner I was becoming, but also learning about the culture of teams. And yeah, I'd worked with some teams before, but working with an entire organization, the support staff, working on a team myself before I was by myself. So there was a lot of things that I learned and I gained from that that has made me a better version of myself. Mm. It's interesting because you pointed out that maybe, you know, you were maybe a little awestruck almost when you walk in the door, there's things that you didn't know. And I think a lot of times, again, whether, whether it's an athlete or whether it's an entrepreneur like myself, you think you have to have it all figured out before you walk through the door or before you start the business, right? Or before you take the leap, you have to have every box checked off. And, and, and that's not true, is it? Absolutely not. I think there's a couple words that people misinterpret and they misinterpret change for refinement. And mm -hmm. they think, oh, well, I have to change. I have to be this person. I have to become this. But sometimes we don't need to change who we are. We just learn to refine ourselves. And so when I look at jumping into a new situation, when I look at 
you know, starting my own company and all that stuff. I, I prefer the path to jump in and refine as I go, because I think it takes bravery to suck at something new. (laughs) And I know like most recently, um, and for like people listening that don't know this, um, I, my contract with the Yankees, um, I decided not to resign after February of this year. So I had to jump into my own company. Um, and I'm sorry, I shouldn't say have to, I, I got, I got to, I mean, it was a privilege. I was excited for it. It was a choice. So for me, I was so excited to jump into this new business of mine and it's so easy to jump into something and compare your day one to someone else's day 500, but you can't have the experience of 500 days without beginning with your first. And so for me, I looked at it as this is my day one. And I know with every day as I go, I'm going to refine and develop. And so often we wait so long to start because we're so afraid of the beginning. We're so afraid of failing, but failing is a form of progress. And so for me, every time that I fail or I make a mistake, that's an opportunity for me to learn something and reapply it to become a better version of me. Because if you're constantly making the same mistake, then you're not learning. But if you're Absolutely. never making new mistakes, you're not trying. So for yeah. me, that's a big part of growth um, and one that I'm going through right now. Absolutely. And, and that was one of the things that struck me when you and I spoke on the phone when we first met, the first conversation we had, because you were kind of explaining how you're making this transition. And you were just like, no matter what, though, I'm going to do this. I'm going to kill it. Like you were so motivated and you had already convinced yourself that you were going to succeed. You just didn't know exactly what step 100 or step 1000 was going to look like. You were just continuing to put one foot in front of the other, which is, which translates to whatever you do. I've often said that when I started my consulting business, it's like I got an, I'm getting an NBA that I'm, I'm not paying for because I'm working with different clients and I'm seeing different situations and you can only learn so much out of a book or you can only learn so much in a classroom. You just have to live life. And, and, and those experience really shape you and they educate you and they teach you where to go and where to avoid and, and all that type of stuff. So that's great. That's great. So when you're talking about, um, your history, the last five to 10 years, obviously you've had some, some different roles and now you're working for yourself. Um, when, when you were going to school, did you always have a plan to do what you're doing today or how is the last, you know, decade or so shaped, shaped where you are today? I never thought I'd be where I am sitting right now. So when I was in college, I knew I wanted to work in sports initially because I grew up playing sports. I grew up playing soccer since I was five years old and played all through college. And it was my senior year of college and third game in. I received my fifth concussion Hmm. and my neurologist told me that if I wanted to remember my name by the age of 40, that's probably not safe to play anymore because the damage from some of the previous ones were pretty bad. And it was a hard reality because my identity as a soccer player was kind of stripped away from me and my identity as an athlete was kind of taken away from me. Sure. And so it was a tough transition, but thank God I was on a team that allowed me to be a part of the team, even though I couldn't play. So I remained with the team and I decided to take an elective course in sports psychology. I hadn't even heard of it before. So my degree undergrad was in kinesiology because I thought I was going to go into physical therapy. Mm -hmm. But my favorite part, and I remember telling my mom this, my favorite part of physical therapy was my connection with my clients. 
because a lot of them were coming to me because they were setback. They had setbacks. They had injuries. They were struggling, feeling like they're behind. And I felt like I really connected with that. And I thought, man, what if I could have a job that was just that? <laughs> and then I stumbled into sports psychology. And I remember being in that class and just my eyes were wide open because everything I learned, every story I heard, it was like I was looking in the mirror. I related so much to the material because I was the athlete that needed it. I was the one who constantly got in my own way, who limited myself, who when I fell down, I would just like beat myself into the ground more. Like I would, we all know what that feels Mm -hmm. like. And I thought to myself, what kind of athlete would I have been if I would have known these things? And then I thought, how many athletes can I help now that I do? And what kind of person can I become now that I know these things? And so that's kind of what started this journey for me. And I ended up going on to get my master's degree in performance psychology. And uh, right at the end, right when I graduated, I had two job offers, which is like a grad student's dream. You're like, yes, of course. Amazing. Right. And so I took my time to choose and um, chose one and turned down the other. The only catch with the one I chose was that it was going to take about six months to get placed, um, you know, at the location that they were going to sure. s- send you to. And it was very normal for this position. So I thought, okay, that's fine. Um, six months goes by and I don't hear anything. And other people that I knew got similar positions were waiting to be placed, were getting placed. And I thought, hmm, interesting. So I reached out and I said, hey, just checking to see, you know, when I should be expecting placement. And then I got a response that said, we're sorry, the job is no longer available. And so here I was right out of grad school, two job offers on cloud nine. Six months later, I have none. And it's not like you can type into indeed.com, you know, sports psychology jobs. They just don't exist like that. Like at least right now. Sure. And certainly at the time. So I reached out to everybody that I knew and there was just, I kept hearing the same thing. Lauren, you need experience. You need experience. And that has to be the most frustrating thing that any grad student can hear. Sure. You know, I, you need experience. You need experience. I'm like, well, how the heck am I going to get experience if I don't, if I can't get a chance? So I decided to get a job at Starbucks because I needed to make money. So I'm working at Starbucks and this one day changed my entire life. I'm working in the drive-thru and this guy pulls up and when you're working the drive-thru, it's your job to entertain the customer. So his drink's being made, and I'm chatting him up. And he goes, so are you in school? Which was a fair question. Most people were. And I said, no, actually, sure. I just finished. And he goes, great. Would you get your degree in? And I proudly told him, performance psychology. And he just starts laughing. Like, full-on belly laughing. <laughs> to the point where I'm so confused. I finally had to, like, ask him. I said, what's so funny? And he goes, oh, <laughs> you got one of those degrees you'll never use. Thanks, guy. (laughs) My jaw just dropped. I couldn't believe he just said that to me. And I was so upset and I was so offended and I was so angry. I had to walk away. Somebody else had to give him this drink. And then it got worse. Like throughout the day, I just kept getting more and more mad at this. And I thought to myself, then I got mad because I was mad because I was like, this guy doesn't matter. Why are you letting him have all this right. power over you? 
And then later that night, it hit me. And I thought to myself, I'm not mad because he was rude, even though he was. I'm mad because partially what he said was right. If you turn around at the first sign of adversity, you're not going to get very far. Right. And here I was, somebody that was planning on coaching people how to push through their own adversity, and I wasn't willing to even do it myself. It's like I hit the dead end, and I was like, all right, well, I'll turn around. Instead of finding another way, finding another path. And so that was the day that I had to really look myself in the mirror and have that hard discussion and say, if you want to be the best mental coach in the world, how the hell are you going to be that if you're not willing to take your own advice? Right. So that was the day I Googled how to start your own consulting company. And I started my own consulting company, not knowing a dang thing about it. And I cold called a bunch of people and emailed probably 10 people a day and got a lot of no's, a lot of people that didn't even respond. And every once in a while I got a yes. And I did that for about a year's time, just built up my resume that way. That was the experience that I got. And after a year's time, I got an opportunity to interview with the Yankees and I got the job. Wow. Well, I, see, I did not know that about, I did not know that about your history where you basically just hustled and grinded to get a client here and a client there to build a portfolio to then become, you know, the mental performance coach for the, you know, one of the biggest brands in sports, right? If not, if not the biggest, that's amazing because it just shows that if there's an obstacle, I, I tell my kids this, if there's, if there's an obstacle, you can either stop, you can go around it on each side, you can go through it or you can go over it. But if you stop, that's the end of the road, right? Like that obstacle has, has beat you. you it, it won because you stopped. And that is something that you did not do, which, which is amazing. What a great, what a great story. And it's so relevant. There are so many kids coming out of school that have just spent tons of money on a degree. And, you know, if they're really passionate about it, really want to do something with it, there's going to be obstacles. They got to run through it. So, wow. Yeah, you got to gotta find a way. Um, so one of the things I think is really interesting, and I know the audience would love to hear is for, for what you do and how you coach others. Um, what are, what is maybe one or two daily habits that you personally do in your life in Lauren's life that you feel could translate to, to anyone else's life that's listening today that could help them out? Yeah. Um, so actually two things. One is I like the way that you start your day, it primes the rest of it. So for me, I actually start with a routine at the end of the night. So the night before What I do is I write out, there's two sections I write. And the first one is I schedule. So I schedule all meetings that I have. Then I have a list of my most important tasks. And that's where I write out the things I want to get done. And I put timestamps next to them on how how long I think it should take me. And then I organize them in order of priority. And so I, you know, I won't do number two until I finish number one. And I'll go down that through the list that way. So what it does is by the time I wake up, I already have what I'm going to do. If I wait to the morning, it's something that like, it's almost my brain doesn't stop. It start, keeps thinking about the things I need mm. to get done. So that night before really has been a game changer for me because when I wake up, I do my, my other routine, which is my morning routine, which is I read every morning, I meditate, and I have my coffee <laughs> and I journal. 
And so those things are things that help. Those are investments in myself. And so that helps me. And then I'm off to the races with the rest of my stuff for the rest of the day. So that's something that I do every day. And it's actually super interesting. I was at a coffee shop yesterday and I ended up meeting this really impressive guy who works in, in Premier League soccer. Okay. And he said one of the things that he does is it's called CRIPE. And he said if you like spell it out, C stands for career, R stands for relationships, I stands for intellectual, P stands for personal development, and E stands for emotions. And so he said he looks at that and every day, or I'm sorry, P stands for physical, not personal development, but you could say personal development, sure. like physical working out. And so what he does is during his day, he makes sure he touches every one of those points, something to help develop him in his career, develop a relationship, develop his intellectual, develop his physical body, and then develop like himself emotionally or spiritually. And it's something I'm now adding to my, uh, to my everyday, but something that's super interesting when you said that, um, it's something I just now added, uh, recently, because I just talked to him about this yesterday, but something I will definitely report back on. Yeah. I love it. It's it. I, I find that, um, there's two changes that that I made in my life when when I knew I needed to kind of get to the next level. Mm-hmm. One of which was a nighttime habit, which was putting the phones down, right, and 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 going to bed at an appropriate time and getting the, the the amount of rest and getting up early enough to be able to make time for the reading. Right. Right. Um, You know, things of that nature. Most of my listeners know, like, very spiritual person. I'm a Christian. So, like, I start with the Bible in the morning. And that's something that really helps me. It helps it helps level set my day. And I used to say I can't do it because I don't have enough time of the day. I've got two kids. I've got a business. I've got a wife. I've got all these responsibilities. But you're just choosing what you want to leave out. Right. So if you build those habits, I love what you said. It's not what happens in the morning. You're setting your day up the night before, right? Um, so you're setting it up so you can't do the, you can't avoid the thing you want to do in the morning because you've already set it up to, to happen. So yeah, it's kind of like that. momentum building, and the mm-hmm. things that that are in motion tend to stay in motion. And so I start my day in motion. I start my day doing the things that I know sets me up for success. So as we as we continue with this, so the next question I have for you is around. And you kind of just touched on it, but what fills your cup? So you talk about you're you're pouring out to a lot of people on a daily basis. What fills Lauren's cup? What do you do and who do you surround yourself with that makes you the person you are? Oh, that's a, such a good question. I really like this question. Um, it kind of reminds me of like Formula One drivers. So in Formula One, there's something that everybody does. And they all pit stop. And... It's interesting because a lot of times when they pit stop, it's not because they've, you know, blown a tire or there's like a really bad, bad issue with their car. It's a preventative measure to make sure they can perform longer and do, you know, perform long term. And the things that the indicators that tell them they need to pit stop are things like tire pressure, fuel level, etc. Right. And so for me, the things that that my indicators that tell me it's time to pit stop are when I am not fully engaged, when I am constantly distracted. Because I know for myself, I'm pretty good at remaining present or at least having a technique to bring myself back to the present when I become distracted. 
when I struggle to do that, that's an indicator that I need to pit stop. I need to refuel. When I start to feel insanely overwhelmed, maybe I've overbooked myself. Maybe I um, underestimated how long something would take. Um, that's another time where I tell myself I need to pit stop. And a third one is when I haven't spent enough time with my family. Um, and for me, that's really important um, because I didn't have it for a long time. Um, when I was with the Yankees, I mean, it's a very demanding position. Um, and anyone in pro sports knows that uh, relationships, it's definitely a challenge. Um, you definitely sacrifice a lot to be in that position in that role. And so I think that now that I'm not in it, it's been something that I've really tried to um, put a lot of time into. So those are the really important things that I know. Those are key indicators for me. Sure. And so when you're saying what fills your cup, I think of it as that pit stop. Like when I pit stop, the thing that refuels me is one being with my family, like being with my husband, taking our dog to the, to the lake, you know, being with my parents, his parents, like that's super important, valuable, even with my friends. Like I love being around, you know, just our friends and um, developing those relationships. Another one is time to myself and where I get away from technology and I just be. And so sometimes, again, I, my dog's great for that because I'll leave my phone at home and I'll just go on a long walk with him. And being right. outside, what we know is like, is our heart rate slows down when we go outside and it really clears our head. And so for me, especially when I'm, maybe I'm grinding through a tough project and I just, instead of grinding and pushing myself through it, when I'm struggling to be creative, I try and get away from it. And what it does is it kind of allows our subconscious to work um, without kind of getting in the way of it. So totally. that's something else I do. And then I always go back to my physical and my, my physical health, my mental health, um, and just health in general in terms of what I eat. So I go back to, you know, the basics of like eating healthy food, being on a good workout routine, and then making sure like mentally I have enough time to myself. So those are kind of the big ones for me. And I also focus on the people that, you know, fill that cup, not deplete it because there are, and there's a really great analogy my friend uses, which is the difference between a fountain and a drain. <laughs> and we all have both in our lives and fountains obviously really fill us up and they leave sure. us like, with more energy than when we started. And then drains are the opposite. Drains can really drain us of that energy. And so I try to, you know, get much closer, change my proximity to drains to be further away and uh, really try to surround myself with people that are fountains in my life. Yeah. I love that analogy. <laughs> that, is a, that is a great analogy, fountains and drains. I've never heard it and I will, I will use it, but I'll, I'll footnote you on it. All right. <laughs> well, I didn't come up with it, but, right. <laughs> but I definitely use it. It's a good one. So some fun questions now. So I have, I, I said, I have two, I have two daughters, 14 and nine. Um, and, and they, joke with me all the time. And, and they say that I use words that are bigger than I should use when I'm talking to kids. <laughs> and it's funny because I'm not like the guy that like uses a lot of ton of big words, but they have this funny segment where they say it's called big words with deeds. They call me deeds instead of dad. So um, I told them as a joke, I said, well, when I do my, my podcast season two, I'm going to make this a segment. So are there any words that you use in your vernacular that, that, that you think are maybe, maybe larger than normal? You speak in pretty clear terms. Um, I like to keep it as simple as possible, to be honest with you, uh, because people that I work with, they don't care about the right. big words. They don't care about the big terms. They right. want to know what they need to do and how they should be doing it and why. That's wow. it. And so to keep it as simple as possible is something I really work on. 
Um, but I guess one that's a good one, I don't think it's complicated and I think most people are going to know exactly what it means, but in psychology, self-efficacy is just your belief or your confidence and your ability to get the job done. And so, um, something that I help increase is self-efficacy. Self-efficacy. I like it. I'll bring that up to them tonight. There we go. They'll be our, they'll be our dinner table conversation. So, um, so one of the things that, um, I know has, has, come up before is advice that you would give to just kind of the anyone listening to this podcast about how to get started or how to make sure that they get that self-efficacy in the right spot. Um, Yeah. And I think this one's more of a reminder um, when we're going through something and when we're struggling and maybe, maybe you're doing everything you think you should be doing and you're not seeing results. And so I think that no matter what we're going through, if we trip and fall, if we struggle, if it doesn't come off the way that we want to, if we don't succeed and we fail, somebody tells us no, one door closes, is remember that, number one, to zoom out a little bit. Look at the big picture. But number two, remember that growth is an evolutionary process, not a revolutionary event. Love that. Love that. You were, you were dropping some nuggets today. <laughs> I love that. So uh, another fun question. So when you do a podcast and, and, and people listen on Spotify, Spotify gives you the ability to see the type of music that the people that are listening to your podcast are actually listening to outside of your podcast. So knowing that we're going to be tagging you in social posts and we're going to be putting this out in the universe, do you have any guesses of, of the people that follow you, the type of music that they're going to listen to or an artist or two that you think will show up? Oh, okay. There's a couple. I have like a couple wide ranges. So I like almost all music. Um, I like like 80s and 90s rap and hip hop. Sure. And then I also like um, James Taylor. Okay. And James Taylor is like my creative music. It gets my sure. creative flowing. And then I also like, I love country. So Luke Combs, uh, okay. Chris Stapleton. Um, so yeah, those may be some of them that might pop up, but man, it's kind of like it runs the gamut. So I'm right. not even sure what's going to pop up, but it may be a little bit of everything. Well, we'll make sure to share what your what your listeners are, are listening to. So it'll be interesting. There'll be maybe like, you know, Snoop Dogg and Garth Brooks next to each other or something like that. Right? Big fan. Yeah. Those are the kind it. of people I want to hang out with. I love it. I love it. All right. So the final question I have for you, I, I could I could be on this with you for hours, but uh, I know you've got stuff to do. Um, what is your favorite guilty pleasure? Reality TV. Reality TV. Anything My specific? Husband. Real Housewives, anything okay. on Bravo. The, like the worse it is, the more I love it. And the more you love my it. husband to this day will tell you, I would have never guessed that you like this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but I swear to God, it just, for me, I can tune out of whatever's going on and just, it's entertaining to me. All right, cool, cool. Any uh, Any questions for me or anything we didn't cover that you want to make sure we touch on? I have a fun question for you. Okay. This was asked to me on a podcast and it totally took me back. I was like, fascinating. What a cool question. Do you believe in aliens? It's funny that you bring this up. I was on Twitter the other day and I got lost in this thread about UFOs and how the military released some statements like off the coast of Virginia beach of these aircrafts that they saw flying at like seven times the speed of sound 
And there was all this data and like my mind was blown. So I was just like, that question is such a great question. I was just looking at that, that Twitter feed, like I think it was last night. So the answer is they very well could be because um, there's a lot that we don't know. Yeah, no. And that was asked to me on the Palm podcast. And I was like, what a fascinating question. I would what like to know. So thanks for playing along. Yeah, no, that's, that is awesome. And, and I'll tell you what we, I've had fun with this. I know my audience is going to love this and I would love to do this again at some point in time. Um, if you're up for it, this is, this is a ton of fun. Maybe we can dive deeper into your, uh, your reality TV loves. And oh, God. I don't know if we want to go there. No, we don't want to go there. That's going to be like off. So how, how can my audience keep up with you? What's the best way to go? Is there a website or is there a social media platform you prefer? How can, how can we find you? So the best way to find me is actually through my website because I got married a couple years ago and my name is a quite common one, Lauren Johnson. So I, all my social handles are different. It would take me hours to sure. read them off to you. So laurenjohnsonandco.com, all spelled out, Lauren Johnson and Co., um, has all my social media links on there. And also that's where you can sign up for my newsletter. So I develop these midweek mindset videos every week. And I have now created a newsletter where they're sent directly to your inbox. Plus you also get an action plan associated. Love it. I'm a, I'm a fan of the, the, the midweek mindset resets. I love it. I, I watch them. I watch them on Instagram for you. I subscribed your newsletter big fan over here of Lauren Johnson. So we really appreciate you joining us. This has been so much fun. Um, thanks for sharing. I know my audience is going to love you. And until next time, because we are going to do this again, you take care. Thank you. Thanks. Hey, all thanks for tuning into another episode of the Company We Keep podcast. I had an absolute blast interviewing Lauren Johnson. I know I personally t had some great takeaways from it and took some notes. I'm sure you'll find the same. Would love to continue to connect with you and be engaged. This season two has been so much fun. Really enjoying all the comments and the interaction that I'm getting from you. Don't forget to stop by my website, jasonmperl.com to engage with me. Also, don't forget to subscribe to my newsletter, The Company We Keep Newsletter. Until next time, this is Jason Pearl. I'm out.